0: This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 156. Reclaim your time and creativity. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered Inspired and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Woo, my friends. You are choosing a very smart episode to listen to today. And must admit, it's one of my favorites to date ever. I'm interviewing Eve Rodsky. If you don't know who she is, you're going to find out today. She is a powerhouse. She has written two books the first, Fair Play, the second, that was just released in December, called Find Your Unicorn Space. She's a best selling author. She's even chosen for Reese's Book Club. Like, she is rocking it in the world. Um, and her work, is so impactful. I don't wanna give it away because we talk a lot about it in the interview, but I do wanna just give you a formal introduction to Eve before we jump in. Eve Rodsky is working to change society one partnership at a time by coming up with a new 21st century solution to an age old problem women shouldering two thirds or more of the unpaid domestic work and childcare for their homes and families. Eve uses her Harvard law school training and years of organizational management experience to create a life management system to help couples both rebalance all of the work it takes to run a home and reimagine their relationship, time, and purpose. Eve received a BA in economics and anthropology, from the University of Michigan, and then her JD from Harvard Law School. And then she worked at JP Morgan. She founded the Philanthropy Advisory Group to advise high net worth families and charitable foundations on best practices for harmonious operations, governance, dispositions of funds. Um, And she's worked with hundreds of families over a decade. And she realized that her expertise in family mediation strategy and organizational management could be applied to a problem closer to home, a system for couples seeking balance, efficiency, and peace in their home. Brodsky is born and raised by a single mom in New York city. And she now lives in LA with her husband and her three children. So as I said, Eve is incredible. <laughs> this was such a treat for me. Um, it's so funny because her team actually pitched to my admin, Rachel, for her to come on the show. And when I got the email from Rachel about it, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. We got to get her on the show. And I was thinking we were going to have to develop the pitch. And I was like, Whoa, wait a second. She pitched to us like her team pitched to us. And I was like, hell yes. So I can't wait to introduce you to Eve and for her to talk about both her books, fair play and find your unicorn space. It's going to open your eyes. It's going to rock your world. Get ready. Here is my interview with Eve. All right, Eve, such a treat to have you. Big fan, as I said, (laughs)
1: Thank you.
0: Um, I know today we're talking all about unicorn space and creativity and finding and unleashing that. But like I told you before we hit record, I want to go back and let's talk about your first book, fair play. So if that's not on someone's radar, can we just give them a quick synopsis of what that was about?
1: Yes, of course. Um, Thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, I think what I like to say, Lindsay, is that, you know, all research is really me-search. And for me, uh, this journey into understanding the intersection of identity, creativity, and happiness, which is ultimately what Find Your Unicorn Space is about, started with my own, what I like to call my own blueberries breakdown now. Um, But it started with a text my husband, Seth, sent me um, after my second son, Ben was born, that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And I write about that in Fair Play because uh, I don't really get to unpack the scene. So I'll just give you the scene unpacker in 45 seconds, <laughs> to get a sense of the burnout and overwhelm that I was feeling then, uh, 10 years ago, that I think so many of us are now feeling even more given what has unfolded over the past 18 months. But um, Seth decided to send me a text saying, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. I had a newborn at home. I was already in the car texting and driving because so I was racing to get my older son, Zach, at his toddler transition program, which we know now, you know, in America, they are seven minutes and they cost our entire salaries at those programs. And at the same time, I had a breast pump and a diaper bag in the passenger seat of my car. Um, I had gifts for a newborn baby to return in the back seat of my car. I had a client contract in my lap because uh, I had opted out of the traditional workforce after Ben was born. And I say that you know now in quotes, because anybody, any woman who's listening, who's in the traditional workforce that is no longer there, ha- is not there because they've been forced out in some way. And I st- remember that day because as I was hitting the stop signs, as I was racing to get Zach, Lindsay, my this pen that was in between my legs because I mark up all my contracts analog, I'd started my own firm. Um, would stab me in the vagina. I was just being stabbed in the vagina by this pen. And I think that's the, the metaphor for what fair play is. It's just, it was th- what it felt like to be, you know a woman in America in the 21st century is, is basically being stabbed in the vagina by a pen. Um, and so from that day forward, when I actually had to pull over and start crying over being the fulfiller of my husband's smoothie needs, uh, I recognized that if this was happening to me, and I'm literally, I'm a Harvard-trained mediator, I'm literally trained to use my voice, and I grew up in a single mother household where I had vowed that I would have an equal partner in my life, I figured if this was happening to me, this type of overwhelming burnout was happening to other women. And that was my impetus for the research that ultimately became Fair Play, which is a system for domestic rebalance, whether you have a partner in the home a roommate, a parents that you're living with, but ultimately it's a treatise on why our time has never been valued the same as men.
0: Oh, so good.
1: If y'all haven't read that book, you need to. <laughs> it's good.
0: So I just want to start with that. There's Fair Play, such a great read, but today we're talking about your new book, all about finding your unicorn space, right? And really that unicorn space as you define it, is like that creative time.
1: So in this busy world,
0: how do you find that creative time? So let's just start and talk about the book and its synopsis there and then dig a little deeper.
1: Well, I think for me, why, you know, same way I did not set out to be a gender division of labor specialist, right? That wasn't on my third grade. What do you want to be when you grow up bored? Um, I didn't really think much about creativity, to be honest. Um, I, consider myself a left brain person. I think that's the side that's not creative. Uh, I'm a systems thinker. Fair play is all about, as we said earlier, about a system, how to live in a system so that um, (laughs) as one man said to me, he's like, you mean the opposite of my home where we wait to decide who's taking the dog out, right? When it's about to take a piss on the rug. And I said, exactly the opposite of that, the opposite of that. Um, So the idea of customizing your defaults systems became really important, but actually, Lindsay, there was a, a secret formula, which is the combination of fair play and unicorn space. I watched thousands now of interviewees and the ones that were thriving had three things in their lives. They had systems. That's fair play. That's what we were talking about. Some sort of system where they knew what was happening each day so that the decision fatigue was was under control. Um, they had some semblance of how to communicate about those things. But the most important thing is boundaries. And the problem with boundaries is so many people in the productivity space have been talking about boundaries as, you know, well, you just have to take a walk around the block, right? Or set an end to your workday. What I mean by boundaries is uninterrupted, sustained attention to things that you love. And in our society, it's still very, very subversive, especially if those things are unpaid for women to spend time on those things. If women are unavailable to our roles as parents, partners and professionals, um, and by professionals, I mean, anybody who works for pay or not pay. um, If we try to be unavailable to those roles and say, I want to spend time on other things, ironically, Something that sounds so easy and freeing is still very subversive for women. And that's why I decided to write Unicorn Space, because the systems and the communication were in fair play. But I really wanted to explore what it means to have a permission to be unavailable from our roles, what it means to be able to be ourselves, to be uniquely us, and to share that with the world and have the time, the uninterrupted time. To explore what that means.
0: Yeah. And that's why I wanted to touch on fair play because like you just said so perfectly, if you don't have the systems to get some sort of equality or near that, how in the heck are you going to have
1: time for yourself? Right? Well, you don't, you don't exactly. You actually don't. And I think what ends up happening, which is the saddest part for me was watching couples, after um, they'd been together for a while, the ones I interviewed. And this was not just limited actually to the hetero cisgender couples, but I do center that narrative because a lot of our boxes come from those destructive narratives of what a man is supposed to do and what a woman is supposed to do. But um, ironically, what was happening was the things that people were telling me alone, Lindsay, in my interviews with them, that made them come alive So I'd say, well, what makes you come alive? And someone would say, well, my triathlon practice or crocheting uh, my Harry Potter dolls or uh, making my robotic cakes, as one woman told me. Those things that I interviewed people about that made them them and that they were most excited to talk to me about were actually the thing that their partner most resented about them. Ooh. And what a fucked up dynamic, right? What a fucked up dynamic that the person who is supposed to love us the most ends up resenting us the most. And why, why I realize that you need fair play before you can have a book like a unicorn space is because at the end of the day, as exactly as you said, if you don't have some version of understanding that time fairness is the goal for all of my work, the idea that me, Eve, you know what, Seth, that was one of the things that changed up my life. It wasn't when I realized, Lindsay, that after my blueberries breakdown of realizing I had been the she faults parent, um, and I was holding way more than the two-thirds of domestic work that women do, whether or not they work outside the home to shoulder the childcare and the housework. When I was able to say to Seth, wow, you know, I noticed that you know when our kids go to bed you have 4 hours to work out and finish a powerpoint deck and watch sports center whereas I'm doing things in service of our home literally until your head hits the pillow and then I stay up and then until my head hits the pillow later on that night and then I just you know cycle rinse and repeat and Seth I I I deserve as much time choice over my days you have and that was a very very hard it's triggering work to understand that as a society we view and value men's time as if it's finite like diamonds and we treat and discard women's time as if it's infinite like sand that's the true boundary i'm talking about the the systems and the communication only work if you understand and you hold firm in your boundaries that your time is diamonds. And that's why Fair Play had to come first and Unicorn Space had to be the sequel. But once you do reclaim some of your time, the the hardest part for me, Lindsay, was hearing women say that they'd been so divorced from themselves for so long that they wouldn't even know what to do with it. Yeah,
0: I saw you record a video on this and I hear this from women all the time in my coaching practice. They're like, I don't know what to do for fun anymore you even said it in your video and I hear it too, is like, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a this, I'm a that, like, who am I anymore?
1: And so I, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that identity loss, um, for me, I think it probably happened, um, right after Zach was born. My first child was born. I think my first breakup was probably with my OBGYN where I felt like I had this very intimate relationship with this person that was bringing my child into the world and then they never <laughs> called me again or spoke to me again after i felt like i was completely discarded and then all the questions that were being asked right were about zach's hopes and dreams and he was just an infant he couldn't even speak but it was all about where is Zach going to go to school are you going to teach him a second language are you okay with the fact that he still has a pacifier are you okay with the fact that he's not crawling? you know, just every single thing in my life and interactions became about Zach to the point, Lindsay, where I became complicit in my own oppression and I started wearing mom around my neck. And there was a really important piece to this puzzle. As I started to write this book for, for my interactions with my kids, where I took off my kids initials that I had around my neck. And I, I, went to a local costume jewelry store, and I found an E. And I remember feeling so um, strange about taking off the mother necklace I was wearing with all of my kids initials and putting my own initial back on. But that was a symbolic stance for me, as I started to write this book was to start wearing my own initial again, To, to say that as much as my life didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. and a lot of things burned down for me that the 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 rise from those ashes, the starting to burn again with all the knowledge of what took me down in the first place, is a really privileged and important place to be. and and I wanted to write about that. Mm, so good. I still relate to this whole
0: whole story. Um, and
1: I think it goes back to what you said
0: many minutes ago of this is deeply triggering work. It is for the woman. It is for, especially if you're in a heterosexual relationship. Um, And I don't know about you, but as I've done this work, it almost is like, what's wrong with her? Why is she so ungrateful? Like, why is she like rebellious? Um, She doesn't know how good she has it. Yep. And, but you just, it's this intuitive knowing of like, this is fucked up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's why I'm speaking to you today, right? I mean, yeah. for me, um, the, the, you know, the coaching industry didn't exist for me um, 13 years ago. And I really could have used you. I could have really used somebody to help me on this journey to say, this is fucked up. Um, you don't have to wear mom around your neck. You don't have to be defined as Zach's mother or then later Ben's mother or later Anna's mother, we can take solace in the fact that every woman in the entire world at some point has been defined by her roles. Mm -hmm. And we can bond over that and create that community, but it doesn't mean we have to stay there. And so I wish I had had a you, you know, 13 years ago when I had Zach or 10 years ago when I had Ben and had the blueberries break down. And, and to be honest, there was nothing like this out there. Social media was new. iPads weren't even invented yet. We didn't really have that many resources. We had moms groups where most of the mothers um, and the leader were talking about what sippy cup to buy Don't uh, I... <laughs> or what plastic to use to prevent your kid from getting wet in the rain. And I remember just sitting there um, tugging on my cuticles, uh, sort of making them bleed, you know, staring down (laughs) being like, I literally, I have, I have no recognition for who I am in this moment, for what my life has become, for what my body looks Mm -hmm. like. Um, and so I think it is incredibly triggering work. And I don't think I realized how triggering this work was when I wrote fair play. And what I mean by that is the intensity of reactions that I get to the book, um, is, is similar to any other, any other triggering issue, Mm -hmm. um, are the time unfairness and the burnout that women feel, uh, when the expectations are on them to raise children, make money, have a Pinterest perfect household. It is, it's just too much. And I think we're finally at that point of rage, hopefully channeled rage where, That's basically what I talk about in my second book, that for women, you know what, we're not going to have no storms, right? Especially after the pandemic, it is, we're not in a place yet where we can be storm-free like the man I wrote about in Fair Play that I call man on the plane who walks onto a plane perfectly, starts a PowerPoint deck, uh, puts his feet out in front of him, has a drink, falls asleep. Whereas Jessica and I, my cousin and I are on our side of the plane trying to coordinate kids practice from the air, trying to cancel an Instacart delivery, you know, all those things that we, we do to make the world run. But I think we are in the place finally of recognizing that we may not be able to wait for the storm to pass as that Vivian Green quote says, but we absolutely can learn to dance in the rain.
0: Mm, yeah. And I feel like unicorn space is like starting to dance in that it's rain. Starting. Do you think? It's yeah, starting
1: to dance in the rain and it's so fun. It is such a fun practice and triggering too, but ultimately fun to think about what the framework of unicorn space became. So what was really fun for me was I had this huge data set um, of people that I had been interviewing now since 2011. And in that data set, because early on, One of my first interviews that I write about in Fair Play that that comes back in through Unicorn Space is a woman named Ellen. And that was a time in my life where I just had started to interview women. And this woman had a lot of economic privilege. She was a client of mine. And my day job is I work for families that look like the HBO show Succession. And your listeners should feel bad for me. But what I do for those families is I do provide grace and humor and generosity and systems for efficiency and decision-making, which is ultimately the training, which led to fair play. Um, But one of these women I interviewed was Ellen, this woman, Ellen, who was a a client's ex-wife. And I said to her, you know, what happened to your marriage? And, you know, you're always talking about your, you know, identity loss and how's that possible? Because you had so much money. And, you know, this is when I, again, I thought that, you know, you could insulate yourself through money if you had enough help which is a very toxic time message. Now I know, but back then I didn't know these, what was toxic and how we spoke about women's lives. And so she looked at me. I remember when I asked her how everything fell apart for her and her marriage. And she said, you know, do you want me to be honest? And I was like, yeah, of course. And she said, well, I lost my permission to be interesting. And I still to this day find that so triggering and also so provocative that the permission to be interesting to others and more importantly, to be interested in our own lives is, is definitely not something that society cares about. So from then my data set always asks those questions. What makes you, you, how do you share it with the world? Um, most times I get blank stares when I would ask that question, but the, but the beauty is that in those interviews, I started to see themes And I love my alliterations and the three C's that popped out that kept sort of sparking like firecrackers were a combination of curiosity, connection, and completion. And so the book, Find Your Unicorn Space, is built around a program to explore what those three C's actually really mean and how do you get to a place where you can be curious about something that aligns deeply with your values, share it with the world through some sort of connection, and then ultimately complete a project so that we don't live in a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams, as my friend Amanda calls it. (laughs) Again, which is why you work. Again, you know, Lindsay, I think, again, another plug for your profession is I have found that the coaching profession is so important for that inspiration to help people in their curiosity, their connections, their completion, the full journey to creative living so that you're not stuck in that place of, of unfulfilled dreams, which I don't want anybody to be in.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, in my coaching process, we do one-on-one coaching and we do that creativity of that, like would you say the first two of like connection?
1: Yeah, curiosity. Curiosity, and, and so we build
0: all that. And then I used to be like, "Okay, go fly. You're good." And then they'd come back later and be like, "I didn't do all the shit you said." Right, completion. Like a, yeah, completion. completion. Yeah. So exactly. I'm like, "Okay, now you can go in this mastermind. I'll help you do all those things."
1: Absolutely. Well, that that's yeah. the thing, right? You need yeah. all three. And so I think the beauty of helping to write the program through the lens of other women and men and non-binary individuals in 17 countries was really for me the most fun. Um, My editor kept saying, you know, you really don't need as many stories. You have a lot of stories. And I'm like, you know what? Then people don't have to read them, but I'm gonna provide all these stories because there's so many different walks of life in the book that hopefully at least one person will be um, somebody that you can relate to.
0: Totally, totally. Okay, so the book is out. December 28th. Right.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. The new year, new you, even though my whole look on life is like, I'd rather it be new, you new year, same, you <laughs> just, um, coming back to the return, you know, the return to ourselves. Yeah. The rediscovery. This, the rediscovery. Yeah. So good. Um, okay. So everyone
0: can find it wherever books are sold. I'm assuming, um, anywhere yes. else I can connect with you. Where are you most active Instagram?
1: Yes, so we definitely answer DMs. We have a team that answers direct messages on Fair Play Life, which is our everything related to what you need to actually get to a place of uh, creative uninterrupted time and space. But um, always Eve Rodsky is my personal Instagram, and that one's a little bit more rageful and probably um, (laughs) informative, but also angry. Yeah.
0: So good. Okay. Can I ask you a really personal question as we end this? How has this work transformed
1: your marriage? It's a great question. It's funny. I was just on the phone with Seth today talking about um, the next iterations of how I see my work, which is really as an activist that works to use every dollar of disposable income I have towards gender justice and the fight for the women who don't have the permission to be unavailable because we have no social safety nets in this country. And so as we were talking about that, Seth was really very sweet this morning. You know, he just said to me, I'm super impressed. Like, I'm so proud of you. And I think the irony of unicorn space, when you are living the way you're supposed to be living, at least some of the time, right? Again, still raining on us, but that we are dancing in that rain What it does is it allows someone to be proud of you in a way that is connected to your identity and self-worth to the point of it being almost humorous that Seth says, the thing I'm most proud of is a book where you betray me in a really shitty light. (laughs) (laughs) So That's where we are, where he recognizes- (laughs) The, the power in, in our story, he definitely gave me permission to tell that story. I'm not sure he realized how prominently he was even featured uh, in that story until after the book was published. But the point is the permission paradox here is that so many of our partners say to us, you know, well, why do you need to work? Or you don't have to do that. You know, stay close, you know, stay here, stay, stay quiet, stay in your roles. And ironically, when you break out of that, even if you're getting messages to the contrary, most of the time, you know, and I'm talking about relationships, obviously that are safe and, and healthy, that person comes back and says, wow, I really didn't realize that I was missing that part of you. And it just makes the relationship so much more uh, complex and and enriching in a, in a good way. Yeah, I totally agree. There's
0: moments of
1: not so much fun, but then it comes around. It does come around. It comes around. around. It comes comes around. around. It comes around.
0: Well, thank you so much, Eve, for all your wisdom and for sharing
1: all the things. And I can't wait to read the new book. Cannot wait. Uh, So great to see you and um, talk to you and your listeners. Yeah.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero. And you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book, this book is a study guide for life. Enjoy. And of course, share the show with your friends. I believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. The more you help others succeed, the more you help yourself. So share, share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until
1: then, keep rocking it.